So good morning. Uh, a little bit different today in that we have uh, a service that is um, the, the, the second part of our service is going to be all focused on our children. Is that, is that awesome or what? Um, and so no junior church today. Um, if, uh, <clears throat> if there's small little babies and children in the audience, uh, not to worry. We're, we're good with that. Um, um, I called that hymn this morning because my message today um, and the title of my message is why does the church exist why does the church exist and you know brothers and sisters depending on where you come from and what perspective you have we might get a lot of different answers um, a very awesome church uh, consultant. I'll give you his name. Win Arn. Um, I, I looked this guy up. He, he's he's pretty pretty a uh, pretty smart guy. He pulled over a thousand churches in a survey. It's pretty. It's a lot of churches, right? He pulled the members of a thousand churches and asked them. Why does the church exist? What do you think their answer was? I'll help you. 89% said it was to take care of our needs. Um, take care of our, our families, take care of our, our, our personal needs. Okay. By the way, I'm not saying any of this is wrong. I just want to give you where some people come from. 11% of them said, um, and the pastor's job is to make sure all the sheep stay in the sheep pen and we don't lose too many. Pretty awesome. <laughs> now on the flip side, the same consultant, he polled pastors. What do you think their response was? 90% of pastors, what do you think they said? Teach about Jesus? Okay, that's close. I'm looking for something a little bit more specific. Bring souls to Christ. 90% of them, the pastor said, our primary job, and this is why the church exists, is to bring people to Christ, right? To convert sinners into saints. 10% of them said it, it's, to, it's to take care of the flock, okay? Now, I don't know that there's any right or wrong answer, but this is what I, I want you to focus on today as we go through some of this. I want you to think of a three-pronged stool, three-legged stool. The most important leg of why the church exists. And I want you to think of it in this term. Upward. Outward. And lastly, inward. So the first leg is upward. Why does the church exist? Someone want to shout it out? To edify God, to glory God, give glory to God, to praise the Lord and to praise the Son of, of God, Jesus Christ. Upward, we come to church and it exists that we might praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Outward, why does the church exist? Someone take a, a shot at that one. Preach the word. Who said that? Preach the word. Preach the word? Okay. Is it only by preaching? What at? Telling. Telling. Showing. Showing. Beautiful. 
Someone say witnessing. I heard a witness somewhere. Witnessing. Kevin. Okay. You know what's the most powerful thing you can do? It's not. It's not um. Litigate doctrine. The Lord didn't call lawyers. He used to contend with the lawyers. The Lord called witnesses. When Brother Dan just called out this morning, he's on a very serious trial, criminal trial. And as a juror, he's going to witness, listen, hopefully, to eyewitnesses of the truth. That's what the Lord called us to be. I, who could argue your testimony, Brother Ron? Who could argue with you that Jesus Christ healed him and took care of his life? No one could argue. No one can contend with you. They might not hear you, but it's truth. Who wants to take a chance at inward? What did we do just this morning before you all got here? Some of us gathered together and we rallied around each other. Well, inward. What, what's the church? Why does the church exist inwardly? Anyone? Do I call it out? To support one another, right? Pray for each other. How beautiful. Did you say that, Wendy? Beautiful. Edify the church. Okay. Love each other. What'd you say, Brother Louise? Love each other. Well, let me just say this to you. Um, is it any wonder, depending on where you come from and what situation you're in at the time, that maybe we might have a little challenge on why the church exists, right? But make no mistake, brothers and sisters. Jesus took care of all three. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Upward. Amen? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Outward. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? Inward. You see all three? And by the way, we can go on and on in that prayer because he ends up giving upward again at the end. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Upward at the end. Oh, don't make, make no mistake. I believe upward is probably takes precedent. Because if we're doing upward, the outward and the inward, I think God takes care of the rest. Yes? You know, brothers and sisters, uh, why does the church exist? Nothing precedes a purpose. Nothing. How many of you have come to Christ and went into the waters of baptism? Raise your hand so I can see. Okay. Did that precede a need that you had? Did baptism, the very act of you, go, did it precede a need that you had? The answer is no. You had a need first. You had a purpose. You needed forgiveness of sins. You decided finally that you needed a savior. And when you needed that and when you had a purpose, who could have stood in your way when you answered the call and you said, I need to go down to the waters of baptism and I need to follow the Lord's commandments. You know when I made that choice, brothers and sisters, if Satan would have stood in my way, I'd have took him out. That's how much I was determined to follow Christ. 
Purpose is primary. It precedes everything else. And so as a church, brothers and sisters, it's the starting point of every church. We should be asking ourselves all the time, why, why do we exist? On an MBA class, I don't care what group, age group you're in, the teacher that's teaching MBA should say, why do we exist? Sunday morning when we're preaching, why do we exist? Everything that we do in the church should be preceded by a purpose. Why are we here? What are we trying to accomplish? What are our goals and where are we going? And if it doesn't hit upward, outward and inward, I gotta tell you, I believe we're spinning our wheels and we're not ever going to accomplish the great work of the Lord, yes? Let's look at the early church. Um, Acts, the fourth chapter, 32nd verse. Now, I want you to understand something that was created by God. Sometimes we, we really think that we need to actually create unity. And we just had a seminar not too long ago in our Sunday school about unity. But we think we need to create unity. We don't. The Lord Jesus created unity when he birthed the church. In 4th Nephi, and, and oh by the way, you could go back even prior to 4th Nephi. There were times when the church of God, the scripture says in the Book of Mormon, they had phenomenal unity. Did you, would you anyone argue that at the waters of Mormon, were they united? Are you willing to mourn with those that mourn? Are you willing to cry and be happy and have joy? They all clapped their hands and wanted to join Christ immediately. United. We don't have to create unity. But all my brothers and sisters, we have to protect it and preserve it. Amen? Acts 4.32. This was a time in the church where the church was so blessed of God. And I, I want to call out, not only did they have purpose, but they were fulfilling all three things of why the church exists. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. I got to tell you something. They didn't create that. Christ did. Christ prayed a prayer in John, we read, before he went to Calvary, that said, Father, okay, all those that you gave me, I pray I don't lose one. And I pray that whoever listens to their words will believe on them. And that they might be one, as you and I, Father, are one. Christ created it with that prayer right there. Because there was nothing he asked God that God didn't what? Grant Jesus. He was in the perfect will of God. So brothers and sisters, unity was created. And all the Lord did was he gave us this perfect unity and said, preserve it, keep it. Neither said any of them that out of the things which he possessed. I want you to stop a second. We always look at this as material possessions. Don't call that out today. Don't go there. How about talents? 
Hey, I possess a great voice to speak. Hey, I possess a great voice to sing. Or I, I'm a musician. Or I'm a great teacher. Okay, all these things that God blesses us with, with talents and gifts. Okay, but you know what happened in that day? The things that they possessed weren't of his own. They were given to them by God. Is that another way of looking at that, brothers and sisters? That preserves unity. It isn't me. Don't look at me. Don't look at my brothers when they minister to you. Look at them in as much as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters. Because they, he's the one that equips us with possessions and gifts. The same goes true monetarily. You have any discretionary spending... And maybe some of you are looking at me saying, Brother Pete, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. But if you do, or if you have sufficient for the day, which is all that the Lord promised us, is sufficient for the day. Did you get through today? Did you run out of money today? Did you get through today? Did you have food on the table? Did you have a roof over your head and clothes? The Lord promised us that. Amen? They're not your possessions. They belong to God. But they had all things common. Brothers and sisters, you know how you protect unity? Everything comes from God. Nothing is by me. Nothing is by us. I don't care if you lead in the church. I don't care if you teach. I don't care if you preach. I don't care if you're the greatest prayer, the greatest testifier. I don't care if you're the greatest social butterfly that gets around and gets known and loved by everyone. It's all of God. Next verse. 33. And with great power. Oh, my brothers. You talk about protecting the unity. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know what, brothers and sisters? I think in that day, the apostles really didn't have time to worry about if we had a law on the books for something. They didn't, the, the, the apostles didn't worry about that. They, 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 one time they got caught up in waiting on tables and taking care of widows. And you know what? They, 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 they were so inspired, the Lord... One of the brothers said, seek ye out men filled with the Holy Ghost. And let's set them apart and let's ordain them that they might serve the church of Jesus Christ. Why? That we might stay to the things of God, teaching and preaching and being a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know what Peter says? Who could take away our testimony? For we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Oh, praise the Lord. And because of the apostles being united, because they were the leaders, and everyone was a witness of the Lord Jesus and his resurrection, great grace was upon them all. Now, brothers and sisters, we have grace upon us? Yes. How about great grace? Why did Luke write that? Great grace. You know what he was calling out? Abundant grace. Covered a multitude of sins. That didn't mean his church didn't make mistakes. You know how you preserve unity? It's with the same grace that God forgave me, I forgive you. It's with the same grace that the Lord looks at me and says, I'm imperfect and I'm full of error and mistakes. 
And I, I'm trying to change all of you, brothers and sisters. Trust me, when I size you up every day, Pete, brother Pete, the flesh, I want all of you to change to be like me. That's the flesh. Who could say that's not the way it is, okay? That's not how God sees you. God sees you for who you are, and he loves you just the way you are. And he knows that he can change you and make you like him. And so I have to look at you. I want to preserve unity, brothers and sisters. I got to look at you like God sees you. Amen? You know, they were a family in a relationship. How many of you here could say, don't raise your hand. How many of you here could say, you could probably do better with your family in a relationship? I'll be the first to raise my hand. A family in a relationship. Can't pick your family. You're born into it. And it is required of us. Now, some people don't do it. It's required of us to have a relationship with the people we love and are connected to. Well, let me tell you, this church, they were a family. And not only were they family, they were in a relationship. Okay? Now, let's take a step further. They were followers of Christ. And they were friends in fellowship. How many of you have friends in church? This one you could raise your hand. How many of you have friends in church? Close friends. Now if you don't, and you just might be struggling with, well, I struggle. You know, my whole life, I've struggled with close friendships. I remember one time, this is, this is so beautiful. My father got up in church and he was calling out, a, a very dear brother in, in his church that was his lifelong friend. And one of the brothers got up in his testimony and began to thank God for the example he's seen with those two. Because he said, in my life, I've never had a lifelong friend. Now that's, that, that, that happens to a lot of people. But what I would say is, Let's work at that, brothers and sisters. Let's work at being friends. You know the, the, the ministry? Why does the church exist? Monday night we talked about how we feel, and we hold ourselves accountable first. We feel that the spirit of hospitality, we could be doing a little better in our church. Opening our doors and inviting people to our home, or just saying, can we get together after church and break bread together? And, let me learn a little bit more about you, and you learn about me. It's not one-sided, by the way. That's not what friendship is. And I know we have a lot of needs sometimes to connect with people, but we have to listen and we have to open our hearts that the friendship is a two-way street. Oh, my brothers and sisters, that's what these people had. They had friendships that were deep. You know, just prior to this beautiful witness of Luke calling out their attributes, the Apostle Peter and some of the brethren were beaten severely because they believed in Jesus. And a powerful thing happened. The angel of the Lord came to the prison and shook the prison. And the walls and the prison opened and they found themselves free. Now they were such friends. Peter didn't go to his mother-in-law, her house. Remember, he had a mother-in-law. She had a fever once, and she was ill. Peter didn't go to his kid's house. Scripture says he went where the saints were praying. 
Can you imagine that? He knocked on the door. And Sister Rhoda answered the door. She was so startled, she thought she saw a ghost because he should have been in prison. She slammed the door on him. You know, the, the, the Bible could be a, a, a comic. It could be, it could be a, a comical novel. She slammed the door on him. She runs back in and says, I just seen Peter outside. And they said, well, go open the door. What are you doing? And they opened the door. Peter comes in, finds the saints gathered because they were friends, brothers and sisters. And so they began to pray right before this verse. Lord, the prayer went. They're breathing out threatenings to us. They, they want to do us harm. But you know what? We're going to continue to preach and teach of this baby Jesus that you brought to Jerusalem, who became the Savior of the world, who became our Messiah. And when they were done praying, the scripture says, Luke calls out, the place was shaken by the Holy Ghost. And the scripture says they were filled with power. It's no wonder Luke calls out these attributes. You know why the church exists? That the saints of God and sinners experience the power of God. If the power of God is not in a church, then I would have to examine and say, is it really God's church? Because if it is, it should have his power. It should have his glory. It should have his spirit. The power of God. Oh, my brothers and sisters, when you look upon this, okay, there was power in that resurrection witness. Was there not? The very shadow of Peter raised up the sick. Dorcas was raised from the dead. The scripture says that aprons and handkerchiefs were sent to the saints and to sick people, and they were healed when they applied the handkerchief. That's why we do that today. And when brothers were ordained of God, Apostle Paul ordained men in every, every city he went to to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that upward, inward and outward was accomplished. It says that they laid hands on those brothers and sent them out two by two to establish the church of Jesus Christ in every land. Uh, you know, brothers and sisters, these apostles, they turned the world upside down. The power was evidenced by growth in the church. And they added daily to the church. Every day there were souls coming to Christ. The power of God was evidenced in the church because signs and wonders followed God's people. How many of you have ever been healed of God's grace? How many of you have ever had a prayer answered? How many of you have ever witnessed someone else in a powerful situation where God has taken them and delivered them? The power of God should be in his church, and it should be evident, brothers and sisters. That's why the church exists. Here's a beautiful one. When we protect unity and we preserve it, the church excels in a diversity of people. This particular church, don't think for a moment it was only Jews. There were many people, like the Greeks, 
that say, I would see Jesus. When the Greeks went to the apostles and said, I want to I meet this Jesus, you know the apostles didn't push him aside. The scripture doesn't say, but I got to believe Jesus met with them. A great diversity of people. There were rich, there were poor in the church. There were Gentile, there were Jews. There were people that were steeped in tradition. There were people that were open-minded about change. It takes all kind of people, brothers and sisters, but if we protect the unity that Jesus created, diversity makes us stronger. And I, I, I have to say that that is all God's plan, and that's what God would want. He doesn't want us to be segregated into into separate groups, although he doesn't want us to be mixing and living and following people that don't believe in Christ. There's the segregation. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Okay, Preach unto them and love them unconditionally, but do not do what they do. There's the separation. Lastly, And this is what I would hope that is in conclusion you take away from this. They discovered the early church, both in 4th Nephi and in Acts, the blessed favor of God. How many of you have ever felt the favor of God shine down upon you? Okay. I'll give you a little hint. It's back in the angel's message at the time of Jesus' birth. When the wonderful angel says, peace on earth and goodwill toward men, goodwill is God's favor being shed upon those that do his will. Goodwill doesn't go to every man, right? Doesn't. It only goes to those that accepted that message on that beautiful, beautiful night when Jesus was born, like the shepherds did. And so a church, the purpose of its existence is to discover God's favor. Oh, my brothers and sisters, think about that. Is God pleased with us this morning? Well, I can't answer that. We do have those discussions. I hope we all do. Individually, we have to discuss that with our own selves and God. For those of you this morning, I'm not singling you out. I love you today. If you haven't made Jesus your choice, if you haven't surrendered your life through the commandments of the gospel. If you haven't followed Jesus into the waters of baptism, received his spirit, and attend a church that he's established, then my brothers and sisters, this morning I would say to my beautiful friends and family, you haven't really truly experienced God's favor. And so follow Christ today. Why does the church exist? That we might follow Jesus' teachings and everything. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach my gospel. So I'm going to stop right there. What is the gospel? It is the good news that Christ is our Savior. That we are sinners and we need a Redeemer. And if we follow him and his teachings... We will see him again one day. That's the hope of glory that we spoke about last week. 
Now we go on to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We confuse that sometimes with the gospel. No, this is God's plan for our lives. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And if you do, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Right? And if you do these things, lo, I will be with you all. Well, my brothers and sisters and friends today, that's why the church exists. That's why it's a place for sinners to find Christ and why we celebrate at the waters when someone comes. I wasn't there for Christina's baptism, but I seen the video, honey. I want you to know my heart rejoiced at my desk. I don't care who it is. I don't care if I know you intimately and you come to Christ or if I've only met you the first time. When a soul comes to Christ, you tell me our hearts don't get excited. If, that, if, if you love Jesus and you want to see people come to Christ, I feel like clapping every time it happens. A church is a place where people get healed. We don't need cathedrals, brothers and sisters. You know what Chuck Swindoll says? We need hospitals for the sick spiritually. We don't need shrines where we bow to shrines and to altars. No, no, our altar is Jesus Christ. And all he wants is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. We need a church that is open to all. We need a church where the love of God is paramount, brothers and sisters. And we don't have a choice to say, well, I just don't like you. I'm going to avoid you. Oh, God forbid. What if God avoided us? We'd be lost, my brothers and sisters. Preserve the unity, brothers and sisters. And with great power, may we always witness the resurrection of Jesus, which is the hope of glory in you. Remember that what you possess and what gift you give the church, it isn't yours. It's God in you. Amen? Why does the church exist? To glorify God upward, to save souls outward and bring them to Jesus, and inwardly that we might grow in Christ and grow in grace to a righteous, blessed people with the favor of God upon us. May God bless you is my prayer.